All right, here's the plan for the show today. John, Rowe, and I will break down the finals matchup between the Celtics and the Warriors for about 21 minutes before we make our predictions. And then John and I do a draft slash list off of our favorite Celtics players from the post-Garnett and Pierce era up until the Kyrie era. So that's the 2014 to 2017 seasons. We do that for a little over seven minutes. And then we quickly hit on the Washington Mystics. Yes, you heard you heard me right. The Washington Mystics. The men's lacrosse national championship from Monday between Cornell and Maryland. And the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then Dahani Joseph joins the program. He's from Syracuse. Uh, I talk with him about the Celtics season, the emotions of Sunday's Game 7 in Miami, and preview the finals. And there's that. It's a great episode. The late upload, I know it's close to tip-off, is directly because we have jobs, so it's tough to schedule with that. But it's a good episode. It's a good listen. Enjoy it, and enjoy the finals. Go Celtics. All right, TTB 127, uh, here with Rohit D'Souza and John Boyle, uh, Bijan's uh, Under the Weather, I'm Austin Barrick, um, and also Max has got work. Uh, John, all right, the Warriors, the finals, here we go. Uh, the joke, John, became the reality. The Boston Celtics finally got over the hump, but waiting for them over the hump is the Golden State Warriors. And for their core group, it's their sixth finals appearance in eight years. When healthy, they haven't lost a single playoff series to anybody except LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016. So as you consider that, and as you consider last Friday after game six, when you said, quote, I am the most mad I've ever been. What is your mindset heading into the finals right now? Uh, you know, obviously a great win um, to get over the hub and be even be in this position. Um, you know, Golden State's been healthy. Uh, and, you know, I think the Celtics should be optimistic, um, especially because we have a lot of size and Golden State, you know, is not the biggest team. Um, and I think a lot of our strengths on defense is due to our size and our length. I think a couple big things. I think if we can limit Jordan Poole to what we did, kind of, I know Tyler Hero was hurt, but if we can limit to him, kind of you uh, defend him the same way as Tyler Hero and make Jordan Poole not as effective, then I would be really confident. Um, but the, the one thing really concerns me is the Celtics are five and four in these playoffs at home. That's not going to get it done at all, especially in the NBA Finals. On the other hand, uh, you know, they're going to have to steal a game or two uh, away. And, uh, you know, they've, they, I think they're eight and two. Um, seven, they and two. Were, seven and two. Seven and two, eight and two after tonight. Um, but yeah, they, they have a really good record on the uh, road. A lot of people think, I almost everyone thinks Golden State's going to win this. Um, but yeah, I, I see like why the experts and kind of everyone does say that. Um, I think Curry's overrated. I don't think he's as good as people are portraying him to be currently. Um, but I don't know. I, my gut, my gut feeling was that the Warriors were was going to win, but it really wasn't going to because of Curry. It's because of they have so many like like for the Celtics. The Celtics have two really great guys, and then really for the third guy, no one knows. Like obviously, Marcus Smart is the third best. But like for for me, uh, for the Warriors, I think like uh, Curry and can outplay Tatum any day. But if they cancel each other out, I think for that third guy, the Warriors have Clay, uh, Andrew Wiggins, and Jordan Poole. And I think that's like uh, even though it's they're not really top heavy, I think I'm really scared of Andrew Wiggins this series. But I think that will uh, get them over the top. So my gut is telling me Warriors. Um, but my, my gut also told me I, – I thought the Celtics would beat the Bucks and the Heat, but uh, my gut told me the Nets were going to beat us, so we can never know. Interesting. All right, you made uh, you made three points there that I, I want to uh, touch on. Uh, one, I agree. The home record's terrible. Five and four, not going to cut it. That's three and four if you exclude the, the two games against the Nets, which, you know, feel like forever ago. Um, and the Warriors, I've seen every, every single playoff series of the Steve Kerr era – they have won at least one playoff game on the road in every series. So it's a guarantee that they're going to win at least one of game three or game four in Boston. If not row, maybe a game six. Uh, you mentioned Andrew Wiggins. I'm also fearful of him. What he did against uh, Luca, you know, not necessarily obviously not stopping him, but slowing him down, making him work, getting the Mavericks uh, offense going later in their, in the shot clock similar. And this is my fear of how, you know, Wesley Matthews in the Buck series and how Gabe Vincent and PJ Tucker in the Heat series were able to pick up our ball handlers and get us into our offense pretty late. 
I, Wiggins does concern me on both Brown and also a little bit on Tatum with, in terms of that aspect. And then also um, Poole. You mentioned Poole, John. And as I showed you guys on Sunday, you know, at Anthony's house after the Game 7 win, Poole, he likes to play with his hips. You know, he's a shifty guy. You know what I mean, Ro? Why would you just give me a, a look? A lot of his, yeah, I was just going to say, hey, yo. A lot of his game is based off of, you know, the hip twitch movements. Uh, it's it's about finesse and not really about strength. I mean, I'd um, say Poole is very one-on-one player. I think he kind of brings, like, new generation of play style into, into the game. Because I'm like a very he's on a very veteran Warriors team, but he also has this very modern style of playing basketball. But I guess yes, he has good hip movement. Is something I I concur. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess he used modern play style. I I, I guess so. Like, sure. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, the terms of the physicality. When when John mentions, like, if we could guard him like Tyler Hero, obviously, I I <laughs> I'd say Pool is better than Tyler Hero. I I don't know if oh, that's debatable. Definitely. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Hero had zero points in game seven. He played like six coming back, from, coming back from injury, Tyler Hero. But but the point still stands. But overall, to John's greater point, the, the options that the Warriors have offensively is something that we haven't really seen this series, except for maybe the Nets, right? Because with no Middleton with the Bucks, it was pretty much all Giannis and then some holiday. And then you got to watch out a little bit for content, a little bit for Portis, a little bit for Lopez. Um and with the Heat, it was pretty much all Jimmy Butler. And then sometimes Bam, Bam would show up because Hero was out for like the second half of the series. Larry was out for the first half and he would flop the, when he was in. Uh, so in terms of the offense, uh, I I know uh, a lot of people are uh, at the same time, John, like a lot of people are concerned about how do we stop the Warriors offense? I'm, I'm low key more concerned about how we score on the Warriors defense, if that makes sense. I completely, I, okay. So for me, I, I'm, I don't know how the Warriors are number two in defensive rating. Maybe one of you can explain that to me, but I don't know. I obviously in the playoffs um, that I, they played pretty weak teams, you know, Memphis without jaw. Um, uh, they played uh, Denver who was awful without Murray and Porter. And then they just beat um, Luca who was by himself with Luca and role players. So I, obviously I think we're the best offense um, that they're going to be facing because we have multiple weapons. Um, but yeah, I'm not really scared of the Warriors defense. I think their number two rating is a little bit like, um, what's the word? Fluky, you could say? Yeah, uh, enough. Yeah, yeah, pretty much fluky. Um, yeah, yeah, overrated uh, due to those weaker teams. Um, you know, I don't think Kevin Kevon Looney was effective in the last series a lot. I don't think he'll be effective this series. I expect Horford and Rob will dominate that. For the Celtics to have a chance, I think they do need to dominate Kevon Looney and uh, um, make them play. Well, they're obviously going to go to their death lineup a lot, and now that's going to be difficult for the Celtics. I think you have to play play Grant at the four and Horford at the five uh, to guard that death lineup. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, definitely. If they they're going to play, if they play two bigs, I'm going to really question. Um, Million dollar Marco is right. Who the fuck is that? Sorry, you know who that is. No, he just put a hundred. He makes like these huge parlays and wins millions of dollars on them. Yeah, he's super he rich. Hundred K on Celtics money line. <laughs> wow, that's that's incredible. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, the guy was against Las Vegas, bro. Uh, John. Well, what if I told you, John? Remember all the times you know we've watched the Celtics over the years, and even in this season, and even this playoff run, and even Game Seven on Sunday night when we'd watch the offense and we go, "Fellas, what the fuck are we doing?" Yeah, the offense yeah, is yeah. terrible. What is this isolation? It's and they get into their sets late. Oh, honestly, oh, I saw the stat. Sorry to interrupt, but Celtics actually have like pretty good offense within the first three quarters, and then in like clutch in like the clutch rating of a close game, the Celtics are like one of the worst, like one of the worst teams. Yes. Yeah, so Row Row about an hour or two ago at Camellas, thank you for stopping by. By the way, mentioned that his take was that the Celtics would be the best first three quarters team of all time. Um, but John, I pull yeah, up. They would sweep anybody if the if right, the NBA right. just shortened games to three quarters. They don't know how to finish. They can't finish, Austin. The Celtics don't know how to finish. They don't right. know how to, Austin, Rob. you can't catch them. Blow. You want to teach them how to finish, Austin? Do you know how to finish, Austin? They don't know how to finish. That's my problem with them, because you know they've played 
That and the Heat were very injured in their own series, but the Celtics were also as well. I don't think Marcus Smart was 100 percent Al Horford coming for injuries, old and all that. So you know, the Celtics give them some slack too. They were also 100 percent You are playing a hundred percent healthy Warriors at the moment, knock on wood, of course. And if the Celtics, if they're also 100 percent healthy, I'm just worried that they won't be able to keep up with the Warriors. You know, this is a very veteran Warriors team at the core. And for the Celtics to have any chance of series, they have to keep up. And I'm not sure they can keep up. I don't know if they keep on defense. I don't know if they can keep on offense. I don't think it's very close at all. Well, the defense, again, the Celtics defense is the thing that we can hang our hats on, all right? We can, yeah. we can pile up stops, and that's how we can, you know, that's how we can, quote, unquote, keep up by just slowing them down because our offense isn't great. And, John, you know, I remember in all these critical situations, this is my main point for the Celtics. If we want to win this series, we have to be at least um, at least average in the critical possession offensive category because sometimes uh, it's, just, it's a complete shit show where we get no movement, no ball movement, no player movement. It's a, it's a terrible shot. And then I saw this stat from, Kirk, from uh, Kirk Goldsberry half an hour ago, actually. He actually did the stats. Jason Tatum, John, this season – in clutch time is two of 25 from three point range with 13 turnovers and seven assists. Um, out of the 29 players, that huh? did it game six against Milwaukee, exactly. Well, yeah, so, so that's that. So I had that in mind as well. I think this is only including the regular season because game six, fourth quarter, Milwaukee was elite, saved the season. Um, but I got, out of guys who attempted at least 50 shots, Tatum was the only guy with more turnovers than assists. And as an offense, the Celtics are second to last in the league in clutch time winning percentage. We are 13 and 22 in games where the score was within five points in the final five minutes. And so that's my issue. We win, When we win games, we usually win in blowout fashion. When the games get close, our offense gets worse substantially. And, uh, and that's what I fear because the Warriors – they have they have more options to go to when it gets close. Would you would you agree with that? You I would agree with that. I mean, if you look at the Mavericks series, they came back in the second half, and I think they were down maybe eight, six or eight points. And I'm thinking in my head, this game's almost over. The Warriors with momentum, no one's going to stop them. And the Warriors in the fourth quarter, this has to go back to where they have so many options. They very rarely have empty possessions. That's the thing with the Warriors. The Celtics in the fourth quarter are in abundance of empty possessions. Like, especially watching that Heat game. I know their fourth quarter, the last three minutes, was very awful when they blew the lead. But, like, on offense, I don't know what the hell they were doing. It didn't look organized. There was no timeout being called. I mean, they barely got it alive. Like, that's just poor execution on the offense. That's poor execution on the coach. And the Warriors being so experienced and veteran, especially in their coach, one of the best coaches in the NBA, perhaps all time, depending on how his postseason goes. Worst, I mean, worst coach in Adoka. What? what Adoka's overrated as hell. I don't want to hear this shit. Oh, Doka, Bro, stop it. He might be the most overrated coach of our generation. Oh I'm talking about more overrated than Doc Rivers, no, Doc more overrated Rivers. than fucking Monty Williams. Like this, he might be the most overrated coach of our generation. Okay. But that's, that's a take for a different time. I'm just saying that this this fourth quarter will be the death of the series. I think the Celtics will be able to compete for most of the game. But once the fourth quarter comes around, I mean, the Warriors are no joke. Okay, uh, my counterpoint. Wait, is okay. Where is Andre Iguodala even playing? He's aiming for a comeback. I think he's gonna be game two. He might be back. He's questionable right. right now. I think. Sucks anyway. So okay, so he sucks. All right. Uh, who am I afraid of? Um, obviously they have Jordan Poole. So they have six guys. Andre Iguodala sucks. Elitza sucks. Eh? Eh? Is Gary Payton coming back? Payton is the most overrated player. He sucks. He's good for his role, John. He's good for his role. No, I understand that, but he won't do shit in the finals, especially when we get to defend him also. Um, I don't even know who else they play. Uh, Moses Moody sucks. Kaminga's good. He's good in yeah. their system, John. He's good in their system. Don't give me a Kaminga sucks. Kaminga's actually a very underrated rookie this solid. season. Okay, Kaminga is solid. but okay, He's so- full of energy, and he's like 6'8". Okay, so I li- okay, so they have seven guys. Never mind. Uh, so uh, Otto Porter Jr. Mm, I'm not really sure. The thing is, Wiggins is now like legit good. I'd say. Yeah, yes, he he's Wiggins uh, is a viable option. He's proved that this postseason. 
Is Wiggins better than Smart? Maybe. I don't know. They're probably they're very similar. I think they play. I think they contribute to their team very differently. I think Smart's a bigger part of the Celtics than Wiggins is. Oh, but if definitely. you're looking at skill for skill, bar for bar, I mean, I think it's closer. But Smart holds a value, more valuable role than Wiggins does. Who'd you rather put, if you could put, take one person? Who would you take though? I mean, uh, that's not my point. My point is that they just. Oh, I I, think, I agree with your point. I'm saying I'm just. I think I think Marcus Smart is a better player than Andrew Wiggins. And I think Smart contributes a lot more than Wiggins does to his team. It means way more. Well, yeah, Smart has a bigger role. And it's also just the system Andrew Wiggins plays in. He allows him to be himself a lot. And I feel like defensively, I think the Warriors are just a much well co- better coordinated team. And so players play better just under their system. Yeah, I agree. Sure. How about this, though, Ro? Counterpoint. Although it was pretty big of you, pretty mature of you to say that Marcus Smart is uh, is a big, bigger role than uh, a guy who was the all-star game starter this season for the Warriors in, in Andrew Wiggins. Um, Ime Udoka, I know you just, you just, you, you know, you just slandered his name, which is, which is criminal, honestly. I think he, I, I stand I think, by that. Ime should, uh, should, should put you in a defamation court for that. That's ridiculous. I think Ime is going to expose the series. No, he's not. Okay. Ime Yudoka. All right, John. I don't know. I was I was actually explaining this to, to Steve. Steve Cohen last night at Camel as he came in late. Uh, I was explaining this article that I read about him yesterday from uh, Jackie McMullen, the great Jackie McMullen. Uh, a lot of things about his background because, you know, Ime is kind of a quiet guy. You don't really know much about him. Turns out uh, he has a scar on the back of his head because his head got ran over by a van when he was four years old. All right. He would go to uh, basketball camps because he was very poor and get the free sneakers, the free uh, the free shirts, the free snacks and all that stuff. He'd play uh, midnight basketball runs with gang members. Uh, when he was trying to play professionally, he tore his ACL not once but twice. Uh, he scored 16 points uh, two days after his dad died to make a roster. Um, he continued. Okay. To- I think this is also irrelevant, but okay, continue. This is leading to my leading to my gr- uh, greater point. You'll hear yeah. in a minute. Um he would barely make these rosters, but the fun fact is guys like Tim Duncan, the great players like Tim Duncan would come to him for like advice and stuff. They respected him that much. That's how much, you know, of a, of a leader he was. Uh, and so, and as we see this season with smart with Tatum, with Brown, um, with Rob Williams, he, he'll curse him out during games. And then in film session, there was a story during the first half of the season where we were awful, where he showed, uh, he showed, a compilation of Jalen of him just committing turnovers of Tatum committing a uh, bad isolation uh, plays and Rob for being out of position on defense. And this means. Wait, real quick. Um, you know, I, the first half, a lot of the time they had Rob guarding the pick and roll. Um, and like, they would have him. Uh, I, I saw this video. They would have him like not um, like, so he would be switched onto it. And then later in the second season, they switched it with Horford and had uh, Robert Williams guard the corner so he could yeah. help more. Yeah, they'd have Rob be a, be the roamer. Yes, yeah. roam around, challenge of the rim. And so, to me, the steady force of Ime on the sideline with that toughness of his background and being able to hold guys accountable because of that toughness in that background um, tells me that there's an unwavering confidence in this group where even though the Warriors might be the better team, at least on paper, uh, the toughness that we have and how we've been able to respond after every loss with a victory this postseason, 6-0 and after losses. And again, I, this stat can't be repeated hard enough. We have not lost back-to-back games since January 5th, January 6th, a true back-to-back game because the Toronto game didn't count. We had four starters out. So however many punches the Warriors might throw, and they will throw punches. You know, as Ro mentioned, the fourth quarter – especially in the chase center when their crowd's getting going or in Boston, when that ball movement's going and Curry to three and, and silences the crowd, we will be able to respond. And so I have that, uh, that, that, you know, I still have that hope and that's all because of Ime Udoka. I don't know if here's my, here's my problem. Here's my problem. My problem is when you watch the Celtics play, how many times do you say to yourself, what the fuck are we doing? Or what are we doing? Or what's going on? Like, how many times hey, does that come oh, in your head? Well, you saw that first right. on Sunday with us. But that's also because, you know. No, I get that. We're fans. I get that. You're like fans. emotional fans. And yes. you're, like, you're going to say that no matter what. But, like, I'm I'm looking at this game. I'm pretty neutral. I mean, like, I got to eat money. Like, I don't, I don't really give a shit. You know, cool for Sunday. Cool for here. I don't give a fuck. But I'm looking at my head. And I'm like, 
I get I get why the Heat sometimes like Jimmy Butler's last shot. I'm like, okay, that's a questionable shot, but it's also Jimmy Butler's game. So I mean, he can do what he wants. But like when I'm looking at the Celtics, I really don't know what the fuck is going on sometimes. And I really can't figure out what the hell is going on. And I get that you guys are diehard fans. So it's easier to like put yourself there. But I'm watching and I'm trying to figure out what the really is going on. And what is this coach trying to do? I never, I rarely ever see that when I'm watching the Warriors or a lot of other really elite teams. Like, I guess the Suns, I, I could say that for a lot of the Suns moments too. No, but. I, I, I see. Okay, I, I agree. I don't see the Suns still playing basketball. No, no. What I'm saying is the Warriors, there are less what the fuck is going on moments, significantly less what the fuck is going on moments than the Celtics. Okay, and that's I, where I draw the line. And that's where I say, Ime, what the fuck are you doing? Because as okay, I'm saying, what the fuck are the Celtics it, doing? Inadvertently, I'm saying, what the fuck is Ime doing? For the listeners, that, that's probably a record amount of profanity within a concentrated amount of time by row. No, I, I, I don't. Last year, still, remember? I, I forgot. But, uh, okay, I agree with your point mostly. However, I think Poole has a lot of what the fuck are you doing moments. Like with He's Bash- a young player. He's immature. Yeah, I'm not Bash- talking about a player. I'm talking about the whole team. I oh, see this on the Celtics, cool. the whole and team. Also, also, I think Clay Thompson has a lot of what the fuck are you doing? You're not that guy from two years ago. You're not that guy, pal. He's gotten a lot better since like he started playing. He's like yeah. integrated himself back in the system well. Mm. Like he's he's performing a lot I mean, better. I used to yeah. I used to think Clay was was past his prime defensively, but he's still he can still be be solid in, in moments. Um and again, like Clay's the one guy where I can't root against him. He's probably my favorite player outside of the Celtics in the league. Um, because also, you know, about LeBron. No, 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 LeBron, no LeBron. I can respect LeBron. He's not, he's nowhere near my favorite player. Um, what, if, what about Zach Levine, next Laker? What? That's rough. Fuck up, bro. I'm telling you, I'll take a Zach Levine for like, and Kobe White for like Tatum trade right now. That'd be a, that'd be a sick deal. Yeah. What, what you're going to get is Zach Levine for Julius Randle. Shut the fuck up. That's like my, I, I, I have nightmares about that shit. <laughs> I have a, okay. no, I have nightmares about this shit. I would see that I could see the Bulls trainer faking an injury for Julius Randle so he can sit the season out just to help the Bulls. I can see that happening. Jeez. All right. Um, predictions uh, for the series: Warriors, Celtics, Row. Uh, you've you've told you told me this probably a week ago. Your you know your prophecy, your Warriors. Prophecy. I can't. I can't Warriors deny the prophecy. Dubs and six. Dubs and six. What can I say? All right, John. Okay. Here's the thing. I want to say Warriors and seven. But I'm not because if it goes to game seven, the Warriors choke and the Celtics would beat them. So even though this is going to sound bad and I think six is a little too many or too little or wait, too little or too many, whatever. I think the Warriors are going to win. I, I'm going to have to in six because they're not going to win in seven at, because the Celtics. I think Celtics would choke against. Uh, I don't know. Six or seven. Can I say six and a half? Nope. No, no such thing as a, as a six and a half game series. Uh, well, there could be if everyone got COVID. Nope, it's the NBA Finals, John. So you're saying the over-under for the, how many games the Warriors will win in is six and a half. And so you're deciding right now, real time, are you going to take it in seven or in, in six? But they're not going to win in seven. <laughs> so this was my thinking. I think, I think, I don't know, I can't make a prediction because of the Austin curse. Um, yeah, you can. Shout out for game seven Sunday. Fuck you, Miami Heat. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Why don't you say Warriors on something then? Because I can't have that bad energy. I, I can't go against, I can't explicitly go go against my team, especially in the NBA Finals. Um, not go against. It's just no bias. Like obviously, well, like yeah. if take out the bias, I think the Warriors will win in six games. Okay, seven. yeah, that's what I'm doing. So I think Dubs in six is a very mature answer. Six or seven. I guess that doesn't foul. No, no, no worries before none, none of that, none of that. I have, I have a Dubs and foul tingle. Austin, I have a little Dubs and Fotingo. Yeah, well, guess what? Adam Silver and Scott Foster would have a different agenda than that. All right. So would they though? Would they? I guess the Warriors in seven because I think it's more likely to go seven than six. All right, that's fair. Um, even I, though the if it goes seven, the Celtics are winning. Sorry to interrupt. No, go see, I, I I like agree with that. I think that if the Warriors win this series, which they are favored to do, they have all the experience in the world. They should win this series. All right, Austin Chris, Austin Chris. They the Warriors, will. The Warriors <laughs> should win this series. Will. Okay? If the Warriors do win, the most likely outcome is in six games because I do not trust Boston at home. 
for whatever reason, our energy on the road is always great on the, it's always, the energy is always great on the road at the start and always weird at home, unless it's off a loss, which is, you know, it's that kind of thing. Um, like Miami game four. Again, with the one exception being game seven, Milwaukee, which is, you know, a game seven, it's just different. Um, and the Warriors, of course, as I mentioned, have, have won a, 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 an away game every single series of the Kerr era. Um, and so I could, I could easily see them winning game six, closing it out. Um, but I think these two teams are too evenly matched for it to I, – I, I would like to see it go seven. Um, I think it'll be – I think the Warriors – my prediction will be Warriors win tonight, game one. Uh, the home team is 23-3 and three in the last 26 NBA Finals for game one. And then I think the Celtics respond, game two. Warriors win three, Celtics win game four. So I think it's one one, and then it's two two, and then I think the winner I think wins the win two games at home. That's hard for me to believe. What's that about two games at home? I think I don't think they're going to win game three and four at home. I no, I said the Warriors will win one, Celtics oh, two, oh, Warriors win three, two. Celtics four. Okay, okay. Similar to the uh, uh, the Heat series, the Heat series. Or and I guess also the Bucks series, but with it them. would be like to win one of the first two, and then you win Game Three to be up two one, and then you choke Game Four and lose Game Five. Right, and if if we're up two one, the uh, the refs would be totally in favor of the Warriors for Game Four. Um, speaking of which, I saw I saw the videos this morning of the uh, the anniversary of the uh, the the fixed game of the Kings Lakers in two thousand two. Uh, with some of those calls. Um, but yeah, um, I was going to have this, this brief topic for Bijan. If you guys want to touch on what do you like better ESPN or TNT as like a coverage and crew, I think Reggie Miller has been really good this, this playoffs. Uh, so it's sad to see TNT go away, but uh, I don't know. Ro, do you have any take on, on the coverage there? Um, no, you'll catch me watching Spanish broadcasts for the NBA finals. Didn't we do that for uh, one of the, the Suns Bucks games last year? Definitely. It is an experience for all listeners. ESPN Deportes. Oh, muy bien. Go take a listen. It's just so much more emotion in the calls. And you might not know what's going on, but if you watch basketball, you will know what's going on. And so you might not know the words directly, but the emotion, it matches. It, it gives energy. Okay. Okay. And Bijan, Bijan's been a notable anti Mike Breen guy. Uh, I still don't understand that. One more thing here for the finals before we touch on two more things, then we'll get out of here. Um, thinking about the Celtics run here, the finals finally getting over the hump made me think about, uh, you know, some of the players from the pre Kyrie era and the post Pierce Garnett era, which would be uh, Brad Stevens coming in in the summer of 2013. Got that announcement at uh, from uh, Coach Williamson at the old, uh, the old, the old high school, the old, the old, uh, the old camp there. All the way to uh, when Kyrie entered in the summer of 2017. Oh, wait, here. I have to drop. I have to drop. The Celtics hired Brad Stevens also a year ago today. Yes. No, yeah. Today was the anniversary of hiring Ime. Um, uh, and, and Brad Stevens. And Brad Stevens, yeah, going up to take the age role. Um, so I don't know how many rounds we want to do this, John, or just I guess it would be a list. Or I guess row to have your honorary one guy that you want to shout out. So I have one is, guy I want to shout out. I hope none of you say him because I really want to. It's just a list of our favorite players from the 2013-14-16-17 era for the Celtics. Ro, who, who's your one player? My one player is Amir Johnson. I fucking love Amir Johnson. Holy shit. Oh. Played, I think he played one season, but he was fucking, oh, my God, what a brick. What a brick, my man. I put, hey. uh, I put down Amir Johnson as one of my three guys who I did not love during this era. Oh, my, Amir Johnson. Oh my God. Amir right. Johnson was possibly the worst four in the entire league in, in terms of, in terms of starters. That dude. Oh my gosh. The Celtics one. had probably one of the worst one, two, three, four, five in the entire league in their, in the depths of Celtics, 2014 Celtics. Yeah. It was pretty bad there for, for, all right, John, let me, let me give you the first pick. Oh, so my favorite. Yes. Or, all right. Number one would be it the goat. Oh. All right, are we to snake this? I guess it doesn't matter. It's just back and forth. Uh, so I, I guess my guy, of course, has to be Avery Bradley, number one. Went to his camp, loved loved his defensive tenacity. I just I love AB. All right, number two. Uh, since this guy won a title with us, you know, part of my childhood, Rajon Rondo. Hmm, sneaky pick. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with this guy, Evan Turner. I loved his game. I like 
Turner too. I, uh, I liked I liked the calming presence he brought. That mid range jump shot was always was always smooth. Always that that you know that behind the back dribble uh, and that pass he made to it in game four of the 2016 uh, first round against the Hawks, the Al Horford Hawks. Um, that's a that's a great moment. All right, your your fourth pick, John. Okay, um, you know uh, I'm just gonna go uh, my current. Oh, I don't know if he's my favorite player. One of my top two favorites player on the team currently, Marcus Smart. That was also my pick. And uh, you see there in my background behind me. Yes, Marcus Smart. Uh, my next pick here, a guy that at one point in Celtics Twitter was a high, was a big debate between the previous pick, Marcus Smart, and this guy. That man's name is Terry Rozier. You know, yeah. The great pick out of Louisville, the wingspan. I love when he jumped in the air and snatched the rebound. Uh, I know Mike Gorman will always make a point about that. Snatch the rebound. Um, I like that. All right, John, next pick. That was my pick also, but okay. Should I just go my next two? All right, then I'll do my next two. Sure. All right. Uh, my next pick is Jonas Jarebko, especially uh-huh. when he game whatever against the Hawks when he uh, had the putback dunk to yep. get the crowd. Yep. Yep. And your other one? And um, then another one that most of you will not think of. Lugigi to Tommy. Yep. C- can't say I had that one on my list. Cannot say. Cannot say I had that. Um, I, remember I, remember, I remember the Celtics. Well, I think they were in the playoffs. Was, I, I don't know. I, and I remember Brad like, drew up a play for Lugigi to, to, to Tommy <laughs> to win the game, and he, he missed the three. Really? That must have been, what, 2015 when uh, the, the Kevin Love separated shoulder series? Oh, yeah. Must have, yeah. All right, uh, my picks here, one of them is Kelly Olenek. Uh, obviously, uh, Game 7, Kelly against the Wizards in the second round in 2017. That was a great moment. Um, and then also this guy, he was the little guy before the little guy was Isaiah Thomas. And that man's name is Phil Pressey. No, shut up. Yep, I love Phil Pressey. I loved how hard he worked. I loved how hard he worked. I loved you know, the energy he brought. I remember I went to a, one of the Cowan's camps years uh stevens brad stevens came to talk to us and he said the hardest working guy is phil pressy on the team um so i love that guy super steady ball on a string the whole thing so uh yeah phil pressy shout out what about jason terry for getting dunked on and dicked on by the goat i did not have jason terry the jet did not have the jet down there all right we're getting into the, the about media wallace or keith bogans uh gerald wallace i had on uh guys who i did not love wow what about uh oh victor oh. Oh, I've a, I've a one. I've a uh, Tyler Zeller. I liked him too. Oh, he was so he was a definition of meh. He was good. He had his moments, John. He had his moments. He was solid. Very. Bro, solid. this goes back to Rose's point. I think we had a starting front court of Amir Johnson and Tyler Zeller for like a whole season and a half. Yeah, Zeller was solid. So was Amir Johnson. They, I mean, yeah. they're pretty pretty bad for starting. Uh, whatever, whatever, John. Your, your your next two picks. I just said, uh, oh, I'm like done. I don't have any more. Oh, uh, oh, you said Gerald Wallace and someone else. No, no, no. Well, I would have said Evan Turner, but you already, you already said like the guys. I would have said. All right, going down the list here. I have Sullinger. Big fan of Sullinger. They don't like him. Oh come on, he's so fun to root for. Um, Gerald Green for saving us in the Bulls series along with Rondo's injury. Uh, shout out, shout out, Roe, shout out, Paul. Rondo's injury saved you. Don't ask about anybody else saving you in the series. Nah, we better than you. Here's an underrated one. I, I almost forgot he was on the team for a second, but I, I do remember watching him play. David Lee. Uh, got him oh, from the Warriors guy. Got him from the Warriors. Oh, I can't believe I forgot one. Jeff Green, I forgot. Yes, Jeff Green, yes, has to make the list. Brandon Bass, he was like my early, early favorite player. Um, He's... He was a strong, he was a strong player. Um, this one, John, I could, I I had to like, remember this name? He played like, he, he played like nine games for us. Tayshawn Prince. What? Yup. Oh yeah. I do remember. Wait, not, not Terry and the, uh, Tayshawn. He's the lefty who used to be on Detroit, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He used to be on the Pistons. Tayshawn Prince at the end of his career, uh, had a cup of coffee with the Boston Celtics. And then last one here, Courtney Lee, just remember He's him. Pretty- he was yeah. solid. Yeah, remember him run, running around. He was not that good, but, you know, he was. He tried hard. He, he tried hard. Is he in the league still? No way he's in the league. Zero chance he's in the league. Who? Courtney Lee. 
No. I just remember he, he threw a finals once. Uh, he, his last year was 2020 with Dallas. Mm. Was it the Knicks? Feels like everybody's ends up on the Knicks at some point at the end of their career. <laughs> um, all right, that concludes our Celtics slash uh finals talk. Ro, uh two things for you uh, to get your takes on. Give the listeners your take on the uh, Washington Mystics. Washington Mystics. If you if you poor, if you need money, just bet the Mystics. Whatever you can get, any line you can find, but bet the Mystics. I know you're thinking, chunks, WNBA. You're like the world's biggest misogynist. What are you talking about? I may be. I may be. But I'm also the world's biggest fan of money. And I think if you want to make some money, you bet the Mystics. This is my, like, PSA if you want to make some money. I'm looking for a Mystic sponsorship. You want me to fly me out to one of the games? I would love to. That's that's probably not, probably not what you preface your statement there with the world's biggest misogynist. They probably won't fly you out for that, but uh... – I'm telling you, you go Mystics, Mystic Nation. Ro, the other thing, um, on Monday, Memorial Day, I was watching this game. Uh, Maryland Cornell for the men's lacrosse national championship. Maryland came out on fire. Uh, they're gonna go eight to no. And the commentators, when they were up nine to two, they had this whole piece. They were talking about who's the greatest college team of all time for lacrosse. And it, they were talking between the 2022 Maryland team and the 1990 Syracuse team. Yes, that's right. Syracuse once upon a time had a very good lacrosse team. It's still a very prestigious they're, program. They're good. They have a good lacrosse program. Yeah. I mean, Sy- lacrosse was founded in Syracuse, New York. Um, so it's, but I thought this was funny. As soon as they started talking about the Syracuse 1990 team versus this Maryland team, Cornell made this comeback and they, they fell two, two goals short. But as a, as a newly, uh, as a new Cornell, uh, I don't know, undergrad, uh, what 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 kind of effort did, did you see out of, out of out of the boys in in the, in the big red? You know, I just love that. You know, we go up against an undefeated team. You know, they're all men for destiny and all. I mean, this is their game to win. And you know, you can't silence the big red. We coming out. We coming out strong. I don't really follow lacrosse like that, but hey, I'm 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 excited to join a community full of dogs because I'm a dog. Good to hear. It's exciting. Great to hear. All right. Last piece here, John. Uh, NHL Edmonton versus Colorado. It's a uh, Connor McDavid, who you've, you've said is the best player across compared to any like sport or whatever. Best uh, hockey player of all time. Whoa. And then uh, McK- McKinnon on Colorado. I, I saw him score a crazy goal in the first period, eight to six, crazy back and forth game. Uh, any thoughts on that series and uh, if there's any fight in New York because they took a 1-0 lead against the two-time defending champion Lightning? Yeah, so uh, the Oilers are not favorite to win the series, but they are. Um, McDavid's going to go off. Um, and, yeah, that's really all I have to say. Didn't Gretzky also play for the Oilers? Really? Yeah. Wow. All right, so that wraps up this portion of the episode. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, tune into the game tonight. Uh, tune into this this next segment. It's a good one here, taped earlier. And uh, and yeah, that that's uh, CTB one twenty seven. And uh, enjoy the games coming up. Go Sox! All right, we're now welcomed on by Tahani Joseph, aka DJ. You know him from Syracuse. Uh, for the listeners, DJ. You know we're in the same class with Gittner in the fall, Com one seventeen, but. Citrus, you know, cutting video for Citrus, I think, for those those sports shows. We got to talk about the Celtics a lot in the midst of their their great second half run. I think we're pretty high on them. You know, they're the turnaround seemed legit. And then we get Brooklyn to start it off, you know, entering the entering the postseason. You know, what were your expectations of this really beloved Celtics team? Uh, so coming into the playoffs, uh, Man, because like you said, the second half turnaround, it was real. Like I was like going to like all no, a little before the all-star, but I think like December, I was like, okay, we're a lottery team. That's just what it is. But then as you see, I, I was there, like I was thinking wow. draft picks. I was looking like, okay, are we gonna get Chet? Are we like that's what I was thinking? But Chet, yeah. like top three. Oh my yeah, god. I wasn't we were going downhill. I, I'm being completely honest with you, but I stayed the course and as you see, um, we're in the finals now. Um, going into Brooklyn, I felt we had a pretty good chance um, at beating them. Um, the way we did, um, I didn't think it was going to be that easy, to be perfectly honest. I thought it would be like a 
six game series, if I'm being completely honest, just because I respect Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving so much. I mean, two of the best scorers in the league, two of the best offensive threats in the league, but our defense shirt up. And uh, I think that when you look at the Boston Celtics, um, what they've done this entire playoffs, they've stopped teams defensively. Offense, we know that we're going to get it, but defense is something that a lot of teams um, wish they could have, the, the level of intensity that the Boston Celtics have, as well as the switching defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, man, Brooklyn, it was, it was a good fight put up by them, but, you know, we're on to the next round. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the defense. I was thinking back on this whole, like, playoff journey, and that game one, that Sunday afternoon, I think it was I think it was April 17th, or April 10th, April, April 17th, and that game one, you know, we're down three. Kyrie hits that dagger shot over Smart. It's like, oh, God, Kyrie, of course, he's going to, you know, twist the knife into, into our hearts. And then we get the Jalen layup. We get the locked up defense on Kyrie and Durant. And then we get the Jason Tatum spinning layup. And I was thinking, man, if that game hadn't gone our way, I think we would still would have won that series, probably in five or six games. But and I mean, the point differential, I don't know if you've seen this, but the point differential from the three series wins, the Brooklyn one, even though it was a sweep, was the closest. So, mm-hmm. like, if if that game one had gone differently, do you, do you think, you know, how, where, where do you think we, we would have stood at, at that point? Uh, I think we would have had a good chance, obviously. Um, it was a sweep, so it would have been, like, five or six. Um, just because I think that as the series went on, you could tell Boston sort of, like, had that edge, especially after that game one buzzer beater. Um, you really have to think like, okay, Celtics are on um on on a high wave essentially, and um Brooklyn, if they had won that game, they would have been all right. Like, yeah, we won one game. They will be excited, but I think that Boston just came out the gates strong, and they finished up that series rather quickly. Yeah. All right. I you know I kind of want to fast forward through the Buck series, although you know that you know it was it was unbelievable how we responded each game obviously we haven't lost a true back-to-back game since january 5th and 6th with the spurs and the, and the knicks on the on the uh horrific rj barrett bank shot i remember that game so yeah. vividly so that was yeah that was that was the low point in the season but uh we let's let's flash forward to friday night this past friday night game six at home we win game five in miami so we we got the home court in the garden we can go to the finals for the first time to 2010. Dahani, this will be the first time, you know, as a self, as a, you know, as a fan, this will be the first time in my conscious memory of us yeah. going to the finals. We blow it. Just a terrible game. Even when we took that like momentary lead, I felt like we weren't in control of the game. After that deflating loss at home, what, what were the sort of emotions you were experiencing? I was nervous. I was nervous, Austin. I can't even lie. Um, I thought we were going to close it out at home. Once I saw a 3 2, I was like, okay. In TD Garden, yeah, we got the fans on our side. Um, coming off of a win, I thought we had it honestly to see Miami just beat us, and um, and it made it look so easy too. I feel like it wasn't our best game as a whole. Um, so going into Miami for Game Seven, I so was of course rooting for the Celtics, of course, but I was like in the back of my mind, Miami might do it. They mm. might do it because game seven, you know, anything can happen like in football, any given Sunday, man. Yep. Um, but of course, you saw um, during the game, Jimmy Butler went off. Um, you know how he gets his buckets, lots of mid range um, free throws. And I knew like in like the first quarter when he had a corner three of like Grant Williams, I think it was like, a, no, I was Marcus Smart, a slight contest. Like, okay, it's going to yeah. be one of those. Games. When Jimmy Butler's hitting threes, I just feel like he's one of the best players in the NBA just because of everything else he does for that Miami Heat team. But yeah, man, I was nervous, but luckily we came through down the stretch of that game. Almost blew it, I will say that, but we can get into that later if you want to. But yeah, yes. it was very stressful, very stressful. Yeah, I think I think we uh, we we shared that mindset heading into Game Seven. Uh, obviously, rooting for the Celtics. You know, this is a big big moment of our you know of our life. Um, but you know, I do this thing. You know, you know, my friends call it the Austin Curse. I'm like, man, Game Seven, we just blew it at home. I like the heat in this one. All right. And I, I keep, I kept talking myself into the heat, you know, it's, it would be frustrating because, and I, I thought of it like, like a tennis, like a tennis match and get, especially how that game six played out. Like, man, uh, the heat cannot blow us out. We're too good to be blown out. Even in game three, when they had that crazy lead to start, we came back, we almost won that game. You know, they, the heat, the heat are fine. Like losing, like in terms of like tennis sets, like six, one, six love even, but then they'll come out and win the next set, you know, 
six, four, seven, five, seven, six on a tie break. And it was frustrating like that. And so going back to game seven, Miami, are we really going to win a third game in Miami? That, that seems really tough to do. So I was convinced. I, I thought no lead was safe in that game. It, I was almost like watching a car crash in slow motion. Like, like when, when, when are the airbags going to go off? When's the glass going to shatter? When is Miami going to, going to take this lead? And Dahani, they, they never did. Yeah, um, I just want to mention the Celtics are, like, one of the best road teams of, like, all time. Like, I forget the stat, but, like, of all time. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Um, They go into your building, and they win. And usually by a big margin, too. Like, if you look yeah. um at some of the past um series that were, that were in the playoffs, you see that Boston dominates on the road. And I feel like that's a formula for success. Once we got past that Bo- uh, Brooklyn series, excuse me, I thought we had a legitimate chance. Because, first of all, I thought Milwaukee was going to be the only real impediment. We'll get into the Warriors later, but I just felt like as a defending champs, even without Middleton, I thought with everything that they had in terms of Giannis, you know he's uh, one of the best players, if not the best player in the game. Um, Jeru Holiday, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, the list goes on and on of these weapons that they had. And defensively, they weren't slouches either, so... I just really think what Boston does on the road is huge, and that could be a big turning point. Um, going into Golden State for game one tomorrow, I think feeling one or two on the road will be crucial. Yeah, and I think I'll think uh, a large, a big point of that, and different from all these different uh, these different iterations of the Celtics of years past, with Brad Stevens as the head coach, Ime Udoka has an energy and. Um, accountability towards him where the guys really seem to feed off of, you know, his mindset. Like he, he will curse you. He will curse you out. It's like an, it's like an AAU coach at 8am when, when, you know, you're getting pressed and it's just like, Oh man, wh- why are we doing this again? And your coach is like, take care of the ball, take care of the ball. Stop being weak. Don't be scared. Um, so you energy is awesome with that. I do want to talk before we touch on the Warriors, that last three and a half minutes of game seven, um, where, where oh my god all right <laughs> we're up we're up 13 335 i didn't i didn't think you know i just told you how i didn't think we were going to win at all i i allowed myself to think we could once tatum hit that that left wing three to put us up by 12 so we're up nine with 130 left and then jalen brown you know marcus smart keeps missing these shots miami's defense is all on tatum so he just has to pass the ball yeah jalen commits that all i can't believe we aren't calling a timeout i'm like email calm us down calm us down and then Jalen gets an offensive foul. We're, we're only up five, uh, 52 seconds left. And then, of course, Max Struess comes running across the floor, hits the three. It's I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be the literally the worst loss of all time, given the stakes. Um, like, what, what was what, what were you thinking in that moment of, the you know, the Jalen offensive foul, the Struess three and then the smart when he when he goes up for that awful layup and, and they get the rebound and Butler's going the other way? What, what was going through your head during that, that whole sort of sequence? Yeah, um, calm down was the best was the best thing you said. Um, for Marcus Smart, like you love him, but sometimes the things he do is like, uh, can you not? Like I, I whenever he gets like a rebound or like like Rob Williams to rebound something like that, and he's just like rushing up the court, I'm like terrified that he will rush down the court to put up like a floater or like a layup or like a a Steph Curry three. And the threes that he had that he missed, those were wide open. Um, he had, I believe, three, and there was, like, one that was, like, slightly contested, but for the most part, wide open, and then he missed. Those were, like, okay, if you hit even one of them, the game's over. The game is effectively over at that point. So, for him to miss all of those, I, I know that on some days he can make all of his three. Some days he missed, so you take what you can get with Marcus Smart. But I feel like Jalen Brown, um, that offensive foul, I was so upset, but at the same time, I was, like, he, if I'm not mistaken, he wasn't in the restricted area and it was like so close. But damn, man, like that could have been it. That could have been it because he had a kick out to Jason Tatum in the left corner. And if he made that pass, one, the offensive foul wouldn't have occurred. Jason Tatum could knock down a three, he could have drove, could have done a numerous um, different things. But what I'm seeing is that Boston Celtics are still making too many mistakes down the stretch because when they win, they, they blow people out. Yeah, like a lot of the wins, like they were blowing people out. But when this close, it's like, okay, do we have the late game execution? And that's something the Warriors have. Yeah, that's something the Warriors definitely have. And Miami does too to a certain extent. But in Game Seven, it was really Jimmy Butler versus everyone else. If we're being completely honest. Yep. 
Yep, you yeah, that uh you just reminded me. I think there was a Milwaukee game. I don't know if it was game four or game six where we had the game one, then we kept you know, we kept like shooting these shots that made it really interesting. Um mm. and uh and yeah, as we preview this Warrior series, although actually uh I wanna one more thing. Um when you know we smart hits the free throw, so he makes up, you know, he makes a man. Well, the butler shot, first of all, misses. I thought, you know, off the bat it was gonna go in. You know, yeah, my, I think it's my not, heart it was that type of night for him. It was that type of night. Yeah, my heart stopped. I'm like, oh my god, it's gonna be 9998. This is just this will be the worst thing of all time. And then you know, we get the rebound, Marcus hits the shots, Holford throws it up in the air, the Celtics win, he's on the ground, you know, the whole thing, you know, his his grandfather had passed away earlier early in the week. It's his first finals appearance. The whole team is super pumped for him. You know, you see Tatum, you know, hugging Jalen and Marcus. You know, we got the we got we got the post game going forever. When the when the clock struck zero, me and my friends, we jumped up, we were jumping around, yelling. Like it was it, it was like it was a moment of pure joy. Um, like I, I just want to know, like from your perspective, like was that was that like one of like the top three, five most like jubilating? I don't know, I don't even know if that's a war, <laughs> word, but like one of the most like exciting. Uh, like core experiences you've ever had definitely i think once the once the clock um once the buzzer hit zero clock went off or for through the ball in the air i was like all right i can like it's a sigh of relief first of all because yeah. that was like one of the toughest game sevens that i've seen especially in this playoffs um man i'm just trying to think the emotions happiness for sure mm. i was happy that we finally got the job done even more happy when I see Jason Tatum getting the inaugural Larry Bird MVP trophy. I thought it was a cool touch, by the way, that they started giving conference yeah. finals MVP. I thought that was really cool. And, of course, it's aptly named after one of the greatest players of all time, a Boston Celtics legend, Larry Bird. But, uh, yeah, man, I was just super happy, super excited. But then I had to think about the next series and, like, okay, we're here. I want to see see them celebrate just like this in the next month. I want to see them happen in, like, June. I think the last game will be June 17th. So anytime between June 2nd, June 17th, I want to see the same excitement. Yes. Yes. And as we preview this series a little bit, I want to circle back. The point you made about how the Celtics are kind of uh, in uh, – they're, they're just – they kind of forget how to play basketball in, cr- in critical possessions, critical situations – I think that's that's one of the biggest keys for us in the series. It might be tough to fix. It seems like almost seems like a, a systemic problem with the Celtics, how or we just we resort into this isolation basketball. We don't generate good looks. And to as you mentioned, the Warriors, the Warriors offense is 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 just very good. They can attack you for many different ways. Um I won't make a prediction, but if you were to assess, you know, the experience factor is all with Golden State. Um Obviously, we have we have no experience in the finals, but at some point, you know, somebody's got to beat this team besides LeBron. What what uh what 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 sort of factors are you looking at as as how the Celtics can pull off this sort of this mini upset, if you will, for the finals? Yeah, I definitely think that it's always going to start at the defensive end. Um, I'm not going to say it's impossible to contain Seth Curry. And, like, if you look historically, Marcus Smart has done, like, a really good job on Steph Curry. He goes, like, the last two, three years. Like, he's always done an amazing job at guarding him. He's always going to fight over those screens. He's in great shape, so he's going to run around the court with him all over. So, I think Steph, I don't want to say he'll get new slides to a certain extent, but Marcus Smart will definitely play a good defense. And then it goes to the other – there's three other options outside of Steph. You have Clay. Catch and shoot assassin, you know, one dribble pull up. That's his game. Jordan Poole, who could arguably be the second best player on the team if you really look at it from an offensive standpoint. I feel like you can make that argument just because, like, that spark plug kind of factor. And then Andrew Wiggins, just as a scorer, obviously, having Draymond, who's a Swiss Army knife. There's a lot of moving parts with that team, especially offensively. And even off the bench, um, you have the guy like um, Moses Moody who could hit some shots, um, Kuminga. Hit some shots, a defensive guy. Um, the Celtics definitely will have their hands full, but at the same time, I feel like something that the Celtics have that is going to aid them is their switching defense. I feel like yeah. that will become, like, a huge part of this series, being able to switch everything. Especially for Golden State, who such, um, relies such heavily on, like, a pick and roll, like that Draymond set pick and roll and, like, split down the middle. Whatever it may be, the Celtics can contain that to a certain extent. Of course, we'll see what happens in game one, but I definitely think the defensive end will be the main um, 
point to watch out for this series. Yes. Uh, yeah, the defense. It, I was looking at, um, you know, the Mavs series. I was running with the Mavs. I thought they'd give the Warriors a better shot. The Mavericks just have a bad defense and that the Warriors will have to adjust to our really like elite defense. Um, but Wiggins is also a factor I'm scared of. Wiggins and Looney, they came alive in that West Conference Finals. Wiggins, uh, the you know, he's becoming more assertive offensively. He's just another weapon they have. You know, they their depth is insane. Like, they they might get Iggy back. They might get Peyton back. They might get Otto Porter Jr. back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we we basically played seven guys those last two games, and Rob was basically a shell of himself with that injury, which is also a factor that hopefully, like, like, like let's pray that, that Rob's knee is, is at least healthy enough for some of these games um, to open up that lob threat and to connect, contest the shots at the rim. But I think offensively is where I'm scared because the Warriors also have a very good defense. And if they and if they're looking at, you know, the Wesley Matthews tape, the P.J. Tucker tape, the Gabe Vincent tape of how they disrupted our ball handlers up, you know, just dribbling the ball up the court and getting into our sets late. That's something we should be like notice and Kerr. that organization is smart. They, they're probably going to see that. So I think we need to see more of Peyton Pritchard in the series to like get the ball up and smart. You know, I, I trust him, but Derek White and Jalen Brown, I do not trust, you know, handling the ball, quite frankly. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, Derek White, like, he kind of, like, I like to trade. I like to trade um, coming from the Spurs. Yeah. Last few games, he's been hitting more threes. Yeah. I feel like it was always, like, the big thing. Like, he just wasn't a good shooter. Um, Hopefully, like, he continues, like, the little hot streak that he went on um, game six and game seven. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that the pressure that the Golden State Warriors can put on the Celtics is a big thing. Um, Tatum probably will see double teams um, throughout the majority of this series, if not from straight out game one. And it'll be up to him to make the right reads. Um, I feel like he needs to take more of that like Luka, LeBron, Harden role where like if you're going to like use a screen to get into the middle of the floor, be ready to kick it out to the corner to a shooter rather than putting your head down and then getting the ball stripped or putting up a bad lift. That's something that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown do a lot, which is something I do not like. They need to be very much more assertive with what they're doing because Tatum can rise up over basically anyone into a pull-up jump shot. But I feel like when he gets into the paint, he gets a little sloppy with the ball, and that's where all the turnovers start coming. So I definitely think it's something they got to watch out for. Yeah, and then they know that uh, if you flop, like – like our guy Kyle Lowry was. I know I saw you. I don't even start with that. This dude, this dude literally is setting basketball back 50 years. It's <laughs> it's just it's a terrible, it it it's beyond infuriating to watch Kyle Lowry flop. But that yeah, Tatum, they they the guys know that they can kind of poke it in when he's driving or they can flop on when he extends his arm out. Um, I think Grant Williams will be huge, uh, or needs to be for us. Yeah, I thought he was a, a lot worse in the Heat series than what he was against Giannis and the Bucks. Yeah, um, especially if you know if Rob can't can't play heavy minutes, and if the Warriors go small, I think Grant will be the guy assigned to you know Draymond, and then yeah, as you mentioned, yeah. the, the switching impact that he has with with you know how how we that that'll have to be how we guard these guys. Um, and yeah, um, I I won't make a prediction. I think it goes six or seven. I think the Warriors either win in six or the Celtics win in seven. Okay. Um, but I think it'll be two two headed back to San Francisco. Uh, as we wrap up here, what is your series prediction? This is going to be one of the hard ones hmm. because I've always taken the Celtics and I felt very confident with the Celtics in each round. This one's tough just because, you know, the championship pedigree of the Golden State Warriors, they've been here how, like five, six, six appearance, six. Yeah. Something like that. Since 2015, it, it's been a, long time where they've gotten to mature into like champions like almost spurs like if you really think about mm-hmm. it, it's like the amount of time that they've gotten to the finals like they always have like the core infrastructure in place <sighs> i had to say Celtics in seven wow i'm not going to discount the warriors it has to go seven games at least because i know what they bring to the table i know what steph clay draymond though that they had a monster alone and jordan Poole, andrew wiggins it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a very tough series. But I believe Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, the young guys on the block, they have that hunger, that fire in them. And I believe they'll close it out game seven. That would be a, that'd be a dream. It'd be a dream. Um, 
to see a banner 18 to win in golden state which might be even more special you know to cap off you know the narrative of the greatest road team of all time potentially as you mentioned yeah um i know like sean grant sean grandy the the radio voice of the celtics has these amazing stats i think we're like the we're top five in in road point differential of all time i think yeah. in the playoffs um if we had, if we hadn't you know collapsed on sunday we would have been i think like top two um but but yeah, that that would be special. That would be I, I don't I, I, I couldn't even describe it, how uh, Celtics a Celtics winning this championship would be. Um, Dahani, thank you for joining us. And uh, if if the Celtics win, as you said, uh, we'll definitely have you back on. Um, of course. Yeah, game seven. You. you can have it the day after game seven when we win. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Austin. I appreciate it.